Monday Martin is the new guy in the music scene that everyone's talking about. Monday, it's great to have you here on The Antidote. Oh, I'm so excited. I really appreciate this opportunity. Oh, come on. You're not really that excited. Well, I mean, I'm pacing in my room, if that (laughs) is indicative of it. (laughs) Now, don't take this wrong, but you're the strangest artist. I mean, here you are making a big splash in the music scene by bringing back older music styles. Why not be current? Well, I'll try to give you the microwave version. Number one, most of what you hear, top 10 Christian hits on Christian hit radio. Uh, I'm not being critical. There's actually some good ones. But what I've tended to notice is they stay safe. And they want to sound like other Christian artists that sound like that band, that sound like that band. And I thought, what if I can be real and take you know my influences and try to bring those influences out today? Can we be real? Can we be creative? Can we be Christians that make fun music? And the answer is yes. So I, uh, I really loved punk as a kid. And um, I had a bunch of punk vinyls. And then I, you know, I really got into post-punk uh, as well. So you'll notice that in a lot of my songs, we tend to throw in some instruments and even some 80s keyboards and, and synthesizers that reflect those sounds you grew up with in the 80s and 90s. So it's, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, so much so that you have a song called Hello 80s. That's correct. And it must have taken you forever to write that song because you put in so many 80s references. That's correct. And it was with the genius of my producer, John Mark Painter. He's famous for being in the band Fleming and John. A lot of people remember they had a a hit on MTV in the 90s. And he was also Steve Taylor's guitar player from Steve Taylor and the Perfect Foil. He decided that we do each verse with a different section and if people are really smart and savvy and they grew up in the 80s, you can, you can listen to each section of Hello 80s and name the band that we were trying to reflect. So it's really <laughs> fun. Well, what else is interesting about Hello 80s is that you make a strong statement. And in the song, you say, I miss the old songs on the radio. Yeah. Something about them just makes you see we've lost a little bit of creativity. Yep. And maybe we're like zombies on our phones. So then are you really saying that there's no new music worth listening to? Not at all. You just have to look harder. Um, And I I never want to be one of those guys that's like, I'm in my 40s and all the new music sucks. But um, I think there is a genuine lack of creativity. You find so many Christian artists today, they go to the studio and they find a producer. They're like, here's what sells. Let me put a auto tune on your voice and you just sing about three chords. And uh, you'll have a hit song. <laughs> That's the way it feels today. And I'm, I'm more of like, okay, when you listen to 80s songs, when you listen to the talking heads, you know, just think about burning down the house. What a great song. Listen to the melody. Listen to the originality. They even put acoustic in it. And they sounded like a post-punk band with acoustic guitar. It was genius. And um, I think many people who will take risks like that might find their music more interesting. Who knows? But I'm having fun, and that's what's important. (laughs) Well, you know, I don't usually ask an artist about their influences, but I guess in your case, maybe I should. Who's impacted your sound? So 
I'd probably have a list of like 50 to 100, but I can tell you this. My favorite band growing up as a teenager was Fugazi. Uh, mm-hmm. I love the DC punk scene. Ian Mackay, uh, founder of Minor Threat, Discord Records, got really into them. And um, with my love for punk, I got into the Ramones. Uh, they're a big influence. When you love punk, you're going to love the bands that were new wave and, and post-punk uh, during that time. So Talking Heads was one of my favorite. They became a very, very big influence. David Burns, in today's living artist, he's one of the most creative geniuses I know. Not, not that I know. I mean, I would love to know him. David Byrne, if you're listening, I do want to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, and Sonic Youth. You've probably heard Sonic Youth before. Oh, yeah. That was fun, avant-garde rock. So many, many different influences. Well, you know who else I hear? I hear Gary Newman coming across on The Fix Is In. Here in my car. I actually wrote that song during COVID. I heard the melody while I was fighting COVID pneumonia. And so someone joked with me recently. He's like, oh, that's why it sounds so crazy. But yeah, it, it, it brought me a lot of joy during that tough season we just went through. And a lot of people have said that, that it reminds them of that song. I wasn't trying to mimic that song, you know, but it sounds a lot like that. It's fun. <laughs> The Fix is in also comes with a big surprise because it's tying together a space alien invasion with Christianity. That's so, correct. I mean, what a contentious point. <laughs> That's correct. Where did the idea come from? Well, I just started thinking about it. Like, what if I could write a song about darkness and light and uh, the enemies that are invisible that we're facing here that influence people to do bad things? So I started thinking that it could be cool to write a song where the aliens are an allegory of the darkness that we're fighting. They want to take over the world. They've got an agenda, but we've got the light. You know, we've got Jesus. And no matter what happens on this earth, we've got the hope of knowing the sun that's going to come in the air. That's why I referenced, be sure to know the sun in, in the air. Anyways, it's a fun song, though. Has anyone ever called you a space alien? I'm sure from time to time. <laughs> I've got okay. it all. Let's carry on with that. What do your wife and kids think of your music? They absolutely love it. They're probably my biggest fans. So does this mean when you're touring internationally, they're going to be your crew? I would hope so. I've, I've been talking to my son. He's got the musical gift that passed down from my dad. And he's good at keyboards, so I'm nudging him every now and then, hey, want to be my keyboard player? So that would be fun. I would love that, actually. With what you've done with all your singles, it's pretty obvious that this isn't your first time making music. Yeah. Where'd you start? I began as a child. I grew up in a musical family. And many of you probably remember commercials in the 80s. You might have heard Hungry Hungry Hippos. (laughs) <laughs> you probably also heard okay yeah actually i do know that <laughs> you probably heard nintendo wheaties go tell your mama what the big boys eat so when i was six years old my dad was one of the top 10 jingle singers in manhattan and, and chicago and so he helped me and my siblings 
sing on TV commercials. And I actually referenced that in a line of Hello 80s when I went back to 1984 and my, my siblings were singing uh, jingles and earning a living singing toy commercials. So yeah, that was fun. And then um, I had a band in my teen year, years here in Nashville. It was around 1990. And uh, when I was about 17, I formed a punk band and we played uh, a lot of local shows. We sort of had a riches to rag story as opposed to rags to riches. Um, we got washed out of the music industry because in the 90s, voiceover work started um, competing with singing commercials. So you kind of lost singing commercials and people were doing more voiceovers. So we lost, oh, quite a bit of money. And so I was so broke in high school that all I could really afford was the acoustic guitar that my dad, he actually gave it to me. And so I was getting into punk music, but I was writing punk songs and I was writing heavy metal songs and alternative grunge rock songs on an acoustic guitar. So wow. people these days, they're like, why do you put acoustic in what you're doing? And I tell them it's, it's just kind of part of who I am. And so that's, that's kind of part of my package, kind of comes with who I am as an artist. I want to bring in the song Silver Lining. Yeah. And that's a story that isn't made up. This is really about you, about yeah. your own life, the addiction that you had. Yeah. You know, I have to say, I can't imagine what it was like for you to retell what you'd gone through. I mean, didn't it feel like you were reliving it? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, and when I sing it, it's healing for me because one of my struggles growing up, I grew up in a home where my mom was an alcoholic and I couldn't understand that there was a father in heaven that loved me because I was having a hard time reconciling, you know, the awkward upbringing surrounding alcoholism. So I think a lot of my pain that I bottled up from having an alcoholic as a mom, and by the way, she, she got free four years before she died in 2015. So we, we were so happy to see that, that redemption and that freedom. But for me, um, I just bottled a lot of my pain up. And in my teen years, I got on a lot of drugs, hallucinogenic drugs. Um, but these things still would surface um, painful memories ways that I process things that other people don't process. Um, in the last 20 years, I had to get on an anti-anxiety medication and my body got so hooked to it because I took it as prescribed every day, but for eight years. And uh, the drug was called clonopin, which is like in the same class of drugs as Valium. It's a benzo. Mm -hmm. And when I tried to wean down on the medication around 2019, because this was medication I was using to sleep good at night. I had a busy travel schedule. But when I tried to cut it in half and then cut it into a fourth, I realized, not to be funny, but it felt like my brain was about to implode and I felt like I was going to die. Um, and so that's part of the journey in, in writing about it in Silver Lining was I, I finally came to a place where I was able to reconcile the past and I was able to trust that God had a good plan, you know, for me and loved me and I felt valued. And so I came off of that medicine in, uh, in 2019 and people may say, well, that's not as severe as an addiction as people on, you know, cocaine or meth, but I, I can tell you it's probably just, just as bad or if not worse. 
Stevie Nicks even said the medication I was on was harder than heroin to kick. You know, so it was when I put it down that I saw uh, there was a silver lining in every cloud, you know, in my life. And I was able to heal from many things I went through as a child and um, be able to trust that there's a good eternal plan for me. So, yeah, that's that's kind of what it's about. I want to flip back to something that you said earlier. You said that you had John Mark Painter. Mm-hmm. And that he's also part of Steve Taylor and, well, I guess the band's got by a couple names. The last time I heard it was the Danielson Foil. Yeah, you know the band Danielson, right? Oh, I know the band Danielson. Oh, I, I've become friends with Daniel Smith recently. He's awesome. Yeah, so it's Steve <laughs> Taylor and the Perfect Foil. And then they did a side project with Daniel. And uh, it became Steve Taylor and the Danielson Foil. And that's actually one of the best EPs I've ever heard in Christian music. It's really good. It's insane good. I don't even know how they did it, but some of it reminds me of the Pixies. That's also one of my influences. It's great. It's really great stuff. Let's talk about John Mark Painter. Has he played a major role in The Sound of Monday Martin? Big role, big role. As I was going to record uh, in 2021, um, I started actually May of last year. I was looking at Steve Taylor and the Perfect Foil record and the Danielson Foil record, and I was like, this is what Christian music needs to sound like. <laughs> yeah. I am O. Um, you know, I developed a friendship with the guitar player, Jimmy Abeg. Um, he's awesome. He was in the band Vector, a, a new wave Christian band in the 80s. Such an awesome guy. And he gave me some tips. He spent time with me on the phone. And he introduced me to John Mark Painter. And at first, I was going to see if Steve Taylor had it in his wheelhouse to produce me. Uh, but he's a busy guy uh, lately. He's a professor at Dave Lipscomb. And um, so it worked out perfect that John Mark Painter would be my producer because he actually produced the Steve Taylor and the Perfect Four record. And he's such a creative genius. I think, honestly, if, if I could say this, um, he's, he's probably the best producer in Nashville, Tennessee. I would say that for sure. Because he is artistic. Yeah. And there's the difference. Yeah, very artistic. Steve Taylor's been on the show, too. Oh, cool. Yeah, I can't wait to meet him. He's been a big influence for sure. Yeah, he was pushing everybody's buttons a long time ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I love how he pushes the borders, and I think, I think that's kind of what I feel called to do is introduce um, Christian music fans to, to a different flavor. I'd like to cleanse their palate, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> are you cleansing their palate or are you sandblasting it? I'm sandblasting it. Yeah, that's what we'll do. Here's one that you did do some sandblasting because I've been left wondering about the comments you might have received for your song, This Is How It Goes. Yeah. I mean, the song says, all around the world, the ruts and molds have too many people under control. Yeah. Mindless submission is the trend. Yeah. It's good you brought that up. I'm actually releasing a music video to that the 21st of January. Um, you'll be able to see where they dress me up like a dummy 
and um, there's a ventriloquist behind me, and my mouth is opening like a dummy would, not pronouncing the words correctly. And at the end of the video, this dummy just goes berserk, and he like destroys a puppet set where these sock puppets were performing pieces of the song. <laughs> and he's like, "I am breaking free from the strings, man." And uh, this this is a whole separate subject in and of itself. You've got conspiracy theorists, you've got normal people, but I just believe, like, if we're not careful, America could be headed towards a socialist agenda and every one of our freedoms is it, it feels like is trying to be stripped away um and they're using covid to do it so i don't know if you want to put this piece on your radio show <laughs> i do but i mean it's honestly true i mean we as a generation have lost the the ability of free thinking um we don't read books anymore we just get our news from twitter and that, that's why i referenced that in this is how it goes. Hello, 80s. Maybe we're like zombies on our phones. We just believe everything they tell us. And um, it's kind of like war is peace. Freedom is slavery. 1984 George Orwell stuff, man. The, the stuff he wrote about in that book is happening today. And our phones can hear us. That's what's scary. Like, it's just the way it is. You know, it is what it is, I guess, as they say. But um, I, my wife and I will we'll be talking about you know riding lawnmowers or something, and and then the next thing you know, an ad comes up on Facebook: get a brand new riding lawnmower at your local farmer's. Blah blah blah. And it's just like, dude, this is Big Brother. I don't know if anybody realizes it, but you could be saying goodbye to our freedoms in the next thirty years. And you know what? I'm not disagreeing with you. <laughs> I mean, here we have the news networks and politicians are telling us how we're supposed to think. I know it. But here's the tough question. How do individuals change that? Mm, exactly. I think it's about rediscovering our history, rediscovering you know, how this nation was established, and just remembering that, that people in America actually used to have a spine, and we would rise up if we saw any form of tyranny in a government. And we fought the American Revolution, and we were passionate about it, but it seems today it's more in the words of Jello Biafra from Dead Kennedys, give me convenience or give me death, as opposed to give me liberty or give me death. As long as we're paid, as long as the government keeps giving us stimulus money, we'll be happy. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know if I'm supposed to say all that. I might have just gotten myself in trouble. <laughs> we'll figure it out. I think you're laying it all out there anyway in the song. Yeah, I mean, you, it's hard to ignore the lyrics <laughs> the way they are. Obviously, I'm leaning the same way that you are. Now, if you can, let me. I can answer another side of that song. Okay, go for it. So the other side of the song, this is how it goes. I look at it like the spiritual onslaught of each individual person living. There is dark beings. There are forces uh, trying to to get us to sell our souls. And, you know, the easy route is taking the suggestions that we hear in the demonic realm, such as take revenge on that person or, or, or if someone cuts you on the road, you chase them and make them feel scared. But when Jesus talks, he says things that are diametrically opposed to the kingdom we're used to in this world. So he says, bless your enemies, you know, and it's like, huh? He says, give and you will be given you know he says pray for people that hurt you 
And so when you begin to practice those, it invites you up to a higher level, which, you know, that's what this is how it goes is about. There, there's a system in this world that wants to destroy every soul. And it's almost like we're doomed to fail. But um, we can tell those people saying this is how it goes or those forces. This is the way you are. This is the way you're supposed to be. Live in a rut. Live in control. You can say no to those things and you can live free. So anyways, that's, that's what I feel like it's about. Is that where the altar call comes in when you're performing? <laughs> that would be, you know, it'd be a perfect piece uh, for <laughs> that to happen. Well, let's talk about that. The songs of Monday Martin have quite a wide range, but you're always hinting at least, at least a hint of your Christian faith. Mm-hmm. like on It Is What It Isn't. Yeah. It will not chase you down wandering off the pathway. can cause your heart to drown. Yeah. Upside down in dreams, I found it. It is what it isn't. Nothing is as it seems. Yeah. Here's the question is, what do you see that's upside down? I, I think forgiveness. I mean, having a mom that was an alcoholic and being given the choice to forgive her it was so overwhelmingly awesome to see the transformation that took place when my family just chose to forgive her for the years where she drank, missed Christmas parties, abused us verbally. And in the world, the suggestion is if someone does you wrong, you do them wrong, you know, or in the world, if someone hurts you, well, you hurt them, you stay bitter, but that just puts you in chains. And so, it is what it is and is about an upside down kingdom. And it's kind of like Gandhi said, like he loved the teachings of Jesus so much. He said, I would be a Christian if it weren't for the followers of Christ because mm-hmm. he saw a lot of hypocrisy. But man, if Christians would really just listen to the teachings of Jesus and apply them, they would see families set free. They would see communities transformed. And, um, just something as simple as forgiving your haters. Like I've got examples where I used to wait tables and a guy really ticked me off one time because he, he started taking over some of my tables and he was taking my revenue. And instead of getting mad at him or telling the boss, I actually gave him some of my tips (laughs) and uh, he could not believe it. Like the reactions I've seen from people when you'll, when you'll bless someone that's like overtly hurting you, it doesn't change you. It changes them. It -hmm. changes both of you in the process. So that's why I'm such an advocate of not just believing in Jesus, but following his teachings, because his teachings are euphoria. You can experience peace in the middle of war. And so I'm not saying it's a tip through through the tulips. Um, It's never going to be, but there is an overcoming side. You know, I've been trying to figure you out a bit, because so far there's been six singles. Is that the plan for Monday Martin? Like singles, no EP, no full length? So what I decided, and my my producer and I have recorded 32 songs. Um, 32 songs? <laughs> six of which have been released. Like, I've been busy, bro. Like, when you put down Clonopin, that drug I referenced being free from the silver lining, um, your creativity comes back online. So mine came back with a force and yeah, we, 
we recorded 32 songs. We've released six singles. And the plan is right now to release a single uh, every month, every 28 days on Spotify. And hopefully to have either a music video or a lyric video um, with each song on YouTube. And um, instead of doing an EP, I've, I've been told you probably should do an EP first. But I decided I'm just going to do a full LP in April, which will be about a 10-song album. And we're going to do a vinyl print, and uh, it'll be super fun. And you're doing this all as an independent? Yes. Yep. So far. I haven't had labels knocking on my door as of yet, but, I mean, it feels like that independent is is the route I want to take. And, And we'll see what happens, though. I'm totally open to either. Before we close up this talk, I want to ask the big question. Why do you do this? Like, what do you get out of it? <laughs> well, um, I just feel like with having a gift that's given from God, um, it's good to use that gift. And there's such a reward when you do use that gift. And He can use you to influence people that other, other people that don't have that gift can't influence. And so, that's been rewarding for me. And um, music is just a way to offer to a world that's hurting, um, a world that we face death. I mean, there's a hundred percent chance everyone's going to die listening to this radio broadcast and music can be such a comfort. And I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if my music has been helping people. I've, I've had some people tell me I listen to silver lining and, and I'm going to stop using drugs. I've been an addict for years and your song silver lining has, has encouraged me to be sober. So, if I get a story like that at the end of the day, I, I, I'm so happy, you know. It sort of sounds like that might actually tie in to take your best shot. Mm, yeah. Because, I mean, the song relates, take your best shot, and you'll find that you're hitting the air. The world is a demon with lust and greed. If you want the fortune, you can sign the deed. Mm, yeah. But, you know, one reality is, is that often an artist actually does sell their soul to be a success. Right? Which is crazy. I'm putting this song out. And it goes for everyone. I mean, here's, here's something Jesus said that I find unique. He said, what would a man give in exchange for his soul? And uh, he said, what good is it if you acquire the whole world and lose your own soul? And if you read in between the lines, what he's saying is a human soul a human life is more valuable than the world itself. I think that even scientists have discovered that the human body is worth over $6 million when you look at the traces of of gold inside your body and how much your organs are worth. How much more is a soul worth? And I, I I think that's the battle. We've got an enemy that wants us to sell our soul and offers temporary pleasure, riches, fame, success. And then you've got this humble king that offers eternity with him in bliss untold. And all he asks you to do is believe and trust him and follow him. And he makes it easy. So it's, it's a really cool song. And it's, it's personal. It, it touches personal notes. The enemy has hit me hard all my life growing up. And I, I find that the most successful I am at being a Christian is how much I can surrender. Yeah, in, in, in the words of my dad, Hank Martin, he wrote a gospel song 
to be victorious. And in the, in the lines of that song written by Archie Jordan and Hank Martin, it says, to be victorious, you must surrender and I will set you free. And so, yeah, I just find that there's such great victory in being dead. It's almost like when the enemy shoots an arrow at you, he's like, whoops, I can't hit him because he's already burnt up into a heap of ashes of love. You know, nothing's going to offend this guy. That's kind of what it's about. So then what about on a creative level? Mm-hmm. Is Monday Martin going to be victorious? <laughs> That's my greatest hope. And uh, I feel like I'm going to make mistakes just like anyone else. I'm not perfect. And uh, neither is anyone, but my heart loves and uh, my heart hopes that um, I'll please the Lord with all the decisions that I make in my life. Monday, thanks so much for coming for this talk with The Antidote Man. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you so much for having me.